0: If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. uh, We're going to look at verses 23 through 31 today. And just as a kind of a refresher, um, if you'll remember what's been happening the last couple of weeks, uh, Peter and John are arrested because they're teaching about Jesus. And uh, and so they're arrested and, and in the midst of that they come before the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin doesn't know what to do because they've healed a person, so there's kind of proof there that something's going on, and uh, and, and, uh, and so the Sanhedrin decides what we're going to do is we're going we're to threaten them, and we're going to warn them they cannot speak about Jesus anymore. And so uh, they send them out, and that's where we left last week as they release Peter and John after warning them, um, we're letting you go, but you cannot speak about Jesus anymore. And so we're going to pick it up in, in verse 23 of Acts 4. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I love this passage uh, because I love the people's response, because we're going to talk about today is not Peter and John's response. We're talking about the congregation. We're talking about you. Okay, we're talking about how did the people respond when Peter and John came back and said, listen, they told us we can't talk about Jesus. We can't preach about Jesus. We can't speak about Jesus to anyone any more. How did the congregation respond to that? And so in verse uh, 23, just uh, to read that again, when they were released, when Peter and John released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said said to them. I can imagine, I mean, that's what I would do. I'd go to my friends, right? Uh, If I'm released from from this trial where I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do to me. But uh, man, when I'm released, I'm going to go to my friends. And so Peter and John, they do that. They go to their friends, these believers, the church. And they go to them and they report to them and tell them what the Sanhedrin, what the priests, what the elders, what the rulers said to them, what they told them and reported it to them. Now, what they tell him? You can't talk about Jesus. You can't do that anymore. You can't speak about him. You can't say that it's in his name. You cannot preach about Jesus Christ anymore. That's what the congregation hears. Now, imagine the congregation. I, I try to picture what they must have been feeling like and what they must have been thinking while Peter and John were gone because they knew what the Sanhedrin did when the Sanhedrin was tired of Jesus talking about himself, they killed him. And so what are they going to do to Peter and John when they're tired of Peter and John talking about Jesus? Who knows? I can only imagine that that the Sanhedrin or, or that the friends, the church uh, is just waiting, wondering, are we even going to see Peter and John again? Are they going to come back? Are they going to be killed like Jesus was? What's going to happen to Peter and John? And, and so as Peter and John come back and report this message, how do you think they would respond? Or how would you respond? If I came back and, and, uh, and Michael, I'm going to have Michael stand up just for a second here, okay? Michael and I are arrested, all right, for speaking out about Jesus, all right? Michael and I are arrested. And we're brought before the, the Supreme Court, all right? That's a big deal, right, Michael? Um, and we're taking before the Supreme Court and you don't know what's going on back behind the scenes with the Supreme Court. You guys don't know what they're saying, but we come back and go ahead and sit down. We come back and we come up and we say, here's the deal. I know you guys were praying for us. I know you were wondering. I know you were worried. I know all that. We just want to report back what the Supreme Court told us. We cannot talk about Jesus anymore. And you can't either. How would you respond? How would you as a church respond And let's honestly, in your hearts, let's be honest. You're just talking to yourself right now, so be honest, okay? Because what I feel like is many people in the church today would would freak out, to be honest, especially in the case of what Peter and John are going through here, because the people that have said, you can't talk about Jesus anymore, are the same ones that killed Jesus for doing that. They're the same people that arrested and killed Jesus because of what he was preaching. Because of what he was saying. Because they were tired of the things that he was teaching the people. And so they were tired of it. And they arrested him. And they beat him. And they killed him. And all of you saw that. All of you witnessed that. All of you saw his body that was bloody and broken and just beaten to a pulp. And then nailed to a cross and just hanging there suffering and suffering and suffering. All of you saw that. And now we come back and say, you can't talk about him anymore. They've threatened us. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? How will we respond? And and I think if we're honest, I'll tell you, I think the church, a lot of the church today in America would freak out. And we'd be praying prayers, weeping and crying and like, Lord, how could you? How could you put us in this place? How could this be? How could we get to a point like this where we've lost our freedom, where we have lost our safety, where we've lost our protection? Lord, please, 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 please save us. Please come through for us. Please help us. Please deliver us from this circumstance. I think we'd freak out. I think we'd be scared to death. I think some of us would have to stop and evaluate. Maybe it's time for me to check out because I'm not willing to talk about Jesus if if people tell me I can't. If people threaten me and say I can't talk about Jesus, well, I'm, I'm not going to. I guess it's time to check out. I mean, honestly, isn't that reality? I mean, isn't that reality with Peter and John coming back? And here's, the, here's a life and death threat now. Here, here's, here's a real life circumstance of this is not just you attending these little functions we have anymore, people they just told us we can't talk about jesus or else that becomes real all of a sudden and and what does jesus mean to me we're going to look at what the congregation says and how they respond and what they do in response to this here's the thing that that i think um, so often because I'll, i'll tell you if if that did happen to our church if that did happen in america I know what our response would be if we aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's no doubt in my mind what our response would be. If if we don't have God's Spirit inside of us, if we're not directed by His Holy Spirit, if we're not led by His Holy Spirit, well, our our response is going to be simple. (laughs) No, thank you. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to get hurt. I certainly didn't come to this church so that my life would be taken from me. I was just checking things out and I was just going here because I thought this was a good thing to do so I could get to heaven. But if it's going to bring that, if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, those are the things that we're going to say. Those are the things that we're going to do. And, and that's why I want us to look at. Here's this church that we know is filled with the Holy Spirit. We know is led by the Holy Spirit. They love god they're devoted to him remember in acts 2 42 through 47 where we talked about how devoted they were to god how devoted they were to his word how devoted they were to each other how they how devoted they were to praying how devoted they were just to remembering that christ had died for them taking communion together and remembering what jesus had done for them and they are devoted to god and they're filled with his holy spirit We've, we've we've learned about that too and this is what the response of them is in verse 24 It says, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Now, I think we would probably do that, right? I think if if we got that news, I think we would lift our voices. But we have to evaluate what's going to come out. What are we going to say to God? What are we going to pray to God? And here's their prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now that phrase sovereign Lord and to start their prayer with sovereign Lord is way more significant than you think. The, that the idea, that word that, that we translate into sovereign and where we get sovereign Lord is, is a confession of God being the ultimate authority and ruler and completely in control of everything of everything. It's the idea of him being in control of every single circumstance and every single thing that happens on earth. That's what the word means. Sovereign Lord. And so literally what the, what the church is praying to God when they lift their voices, the first thing they're saying is God, we acknowledge and we confess That you are absolutely in control and you have placed us in this circumstance. And you reign over this circumstance. And you rule over this circumstance. You are God and you're in control of everything. And you reign and you rule over this circumstance that we find ourselves in. You placed us here. That is incredibly significant. That's incredibly significant, because what that says is there's a mindset there of, Lord, no matter what you place me into, you are still God. You still reign. You still you still rule. You're still powerful. You're still wonderful. And that's that next phrase. Sovereign Lord, you you are sovereign, you are in control, you reign over this circumstance, you are completely the one who placed this here, and you are powerful because you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So yes, you reign over this circumstance, you are powerful over this circumstance too. You are absolutely in control of this. You can give it and you can take it away. There's nothing about this circumstance that we're in. There's nothing about these threats. There's nothing about this danger. There's nothing about the possible persecution. There's nothing about the circumstance that we're in right now that you're not in control of. You reign. You rule. You are powerful. You are absolutely in control of this that we are in. The circumstance that we're in guys that is incredible faith that's faith and love and treasuring of god that only comes from god it only comes from him giving that to us through his holy spirit it only comes by his spirit being inside of us and empowering us with himself with 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 who he is and 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 with just just the idea of treasuring christ that much It's that kind of treasure in Christ that when when sickness comes into my life, that I can say, God, you are sovereign. You reign over the sickness. When difficulties come in my life, I can say, God, you are sovereign. And you reign over these difficulties. You are God. You are powerful. You're the creator. You created heaven. You created the earth. You created the sea. You created everything and all of those things. You're God and you reign over over these circumstances that is how the church responds to persecution that's how the church responds to hey you can't talk about jesus anymore well let's just praise him (laughs) let's just worship him first let's just respond to who he is first let's just declare who he is first let's just pray and acknowledge god as almighty and powerful lord over everything is that our first response when difficulty comes I mean, is that our first response to trouble? Is that our first response to, to evil? Is that our first response to, to sickness and sadness and sorrow and all those things? is God, you reign. You reign and you are in control. You are almighty. You are God. It goes on and says, um, they lift their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. He's quoting from Psalm uh, chapter two, verses one and two, or they're quoting from Psalm Chapter two, verses one and two, two, that's a quote. Uh, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. What they're praying is is words that were written by the psalmist hundreds of years before. Which were telling hundreds of years before what was going to happen in that very circumstance. And so, again, even as they're quoting Psalm two, verses one and two. They're saying, God, you knew this was going to happen. You you planned all this ahead of time. You were well aware that this was even going to take place. You knew yesterday that this was going to take place. You knew years ago that this was going to take place. And you reign over it. You're sovereign over it. David wrote, or, or the psalmist wrote, hundreds of years before that this was going to happen. And so we can trust you in this circumstance. Because your word said it was going to happen. We can trust you in this circumstance man do you trust god you trust god no matter what comes we are so deceived so deceived in this country i mean you turn on the tv and you look at at faith television we are so deceived into thinking that only good things come from following the lord only good things come from following the lord it's not true is not true and when difficulty comes and it will when difficulty comes do we respond with gladness of heart and say god you reign you reign over the circumstance you, you knew beforehand that this was going to take place you wrote beforehand that this is going to take place you said beforehand that this was going to happen and you reign over this circumstance you know, I think of their hearts and I think of their response and, and I think of um, in Genesis and, and, and really the last several chapters of Genesis. But the story of Joseph and, and especially in, in Genesis 50, where all the things that have happened to Joseph, all the things that have gone on in his life and 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 how he's really been persecuted in so many ways. I mean, completely abandoned by his brothers, arrested, uh, gets gets taken into Potiphar's house and he gets put in control over everything. And then Potiphar's Potiphar's wife um, just totally lies and and gets him in trouble and he gets put in prison. And then from prison, God continues to meet with him and speak through him and use him. And ends up, he, he becomes the second greatest person in all of Egypt. And God uses him to deliver his family from the famine. And in, and in chapter 50, verse 20 uh, of Genesis, um, his brothers come to him and they're freaked out because the years before they've completely um, rejected him and, and, and turned him over to, to evil people. Um, and, 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 he, and they come to him and they're scared because he's the second most powerful person. And what if he kills us? And it's beautiful because Joseph says, don't don't worry. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. It's just an absolute trust in God. Yet, Joseph's not saying to his brothers, man, no, 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 you, you don't understand. The last several years, they've been a cakewalk. It's been easy. It was, it was easy being in prison for 20 years. It was, it was easy um, having this great position and then someone lying and it being taken away. It was, he didn't say that. He didn't say it was easy. He just knew that God was completely in control and sovereign over his life. And he said, listen, you meant that for evil, but God meant it for good and used it for good. Man, that's just faith and treasuring God above all things. It's just loving God and trusting God and knowing God is good and powerful and in control. It goes on in verse uh, Verse 27. They're still praying. It says for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. So in verse 27, it's just they're confirming. Yes, you you spoke through the psalmist hundreds of years ago that that that. The Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers are gathered together. And yes, this has happened just like you said, because against Jesus, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel all gathered together to come against him. Just like you said would happen. In verse 28, it says to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about it a handful of times. We're going to look at it just briefly again. But that is a huge huge statement. Cuz what it's saying is as they're praying to God, what happened to Jesus was your plan. You did it. You planned the death of your son. You decided to kill your son. You decided to give Jesus. You gave jesus and killed jesus so that we could have eternal life it's a huge statement is a huge statement it has incredible implications to our whole faith to know that god gave his son decided his plan was to give his son so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins why would he do that why would it be god's plan to kill his son why do we God's plan to give his son for eternal life? Romans 5 8. Because it's the best way for him to show his love for us. There was absolutely no greater way for God to demonstrate to you and to me that he loves us than giving his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I and mean, some of you, even as Joe was talking about, as we were seeing some of you deal with that sometimes, man, does God really love me? Does he really? love? I just don't feel you there. God, I just don't feel your presence. I don't feel like you're there. I just don't know, man. You got to come back to this verse. There's nothing more that God could do to prove His love for you than giving His Son, Jesus Christ. He has demonstrated His love in the greatest way possible. Why? Because 28, what His plan had predestined to take place, took place. Jesus died. He gave His Son so that we could have forgiveness and so we could see that He loves us. So we could know For sure, without a doubt, God loves me. He gave his son for me. He loves me. I know he loves me. I can know and be sure that he loves me in this circumstance. I can be positive that no matter what came into my life this week, I can be certain that no matter what disease, no matter what trial, no matter what trouble, no matter what circumstance has come into my life, God loves me. And he demonstrated that because he gave me his son, Jesus. As a payment for my sins. And there's nothing he could do. Not taking away the sickness. Not taking away the trouble. Not taking away the difficulty. Not taking away any of the circumstances. Nothing could prove his love for me. More than what he's already done. He gave his son. And he's already proven. He's already demonstrated that love for us. And if we're dependent. And if you're dependent right now. And and, and waiting and praying for other circumstances. To show that God loves you. You've already gotten the greatest one. He's already demonstrated the greatest one. And if you're waiting and just begging and waiting on him, please show me some other way. Take this away. Take this sickness away. Take this difficulty away so that I know you love me. He has already proven and shown his love for you. He's already proven it. There's nothing else he needs to do. He loves you. He loves you. He's demonstrated that through Jesus. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Now, I am blown away every time I read that. And I love it. Because that's the church's response. It has, it's what it has to be. I mean, here's a congregation that is faced with a decision. We can listen to the Sanhedrin. We can listen to the rulers and we can stop. We can just throw in the towel. We can just give up on Jesus. We can just not believe in him anymore. Or we can respond and say, no, he's done too much to prove his love for me. He's done too much to show me that he's God and he's worth being treasured. And so I'm going to respond and say, I'm going to keep on speaking about Jesus. I'm going to keep on talking about Jesus. I love their response. The first part of, of uh, 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. How would we finish that line? How would we finish that sentence? And now, Lord, look upon their threats and please do something. Stop them. Kill them, Lord. Do something. You can't let this go on. You can't let them do this. You can't let them threaten us like this. We're we're your children. You call us your children. Don't let them do this to us. That's not what they say. They say, God, look upon their threats. And grant us that we can continue to speak your word with all boldness. God, look at their threats. And please, please, please. Don't let us be ashamed of you. Please, 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 please don't let us be timid in this circumstance. Please, 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 please don't let us be afraid of their threats. Don't be a let, let us be afraid of speaking about you. Don't let us be afraid of keeping on talking and preaching and telling and, and loving and showing Christ to people. Don't let, us, don't let us be timid. Don't take away our boldness, God. Help us to be bold in this circumstance. Help us to stand for you. Help us to live for you. Help us to believe in you. Increase our faith now. Give us boldness so that in the most difficult of circumstances, we will stand for you. We will speak for you. We will proclaim you. We will believe in you. We will trust you. We will treasure you above every circumstance, and we will continue to speak the word of God with all boldness. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know what they didn't do? They didn't come back together and say, man, this evangelism strategy just isn't working. I mean, we're going to get ourselves killed. We've got to think of another strategy. We've got to come up. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to come up with another plan. We've got to be quiet, and we've got to be buddies with the world. I'll tell you what we'll do. We're, we'll be friends with the Sanhedrin, okay? We'll just be buddies with them. And then after a little bit of time, I bet they'll start asking questions like, how come you're so quiet about Jesus? Like, how how come you don't talk about Jesus if he means so much? Or or where do you go to church? I bet you if we buddy up with them, I bet sometime one of the priests, the Jewish priest is going to ask. Where do you go to church? Because I got nothing to do on Sunday. Maybe they'll do that. That's what we need is a new evangelism strategy. And then we're not going to get killed. And then someday they'll probably know about Jesus. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. It was simple. God, you have already told us what to do. You didn't tell us to come up with evangelism strategies. You told us to go into all the world and tell the gospel. You told us to go into all the world and make disciples You told us to go into all the world and preach and tell and make disciples so that people would believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the only one that can take away their sins and can be forgiven. And so, God, here's a circumstance where we're probably going to be persecuted. We're probably going to be killed. We're probably going to be hungry. We're probably going to be thirsty. We're probably going to lose friends. God, look at their threats. And allow us to speak your word with boldness. Guys, we are guilty. As I looked at this passage this week, I know I'm guilty and we're guilty. Because we've looked at circumstances and we've looked at cultures and we've examined uh, workplaces and we've looked at, at environments and we've looked at things and we've said, Well, we don't want to offend people. We don't want to push people away because we say and talk about Jesus all the time. We, we don't want people to look down on us. We don't want people. Well, they probably won't come to our church if we talk about Jesus all the time. They might think we're like way in love with him or something. They'll think we're a Jesus freak. They'll think we're a fanatic. And they're not going to want to come to our church if we're a fanatic. They're not going to want to come to our church. And It's not about our church. Do, do we know that? I mean, do we honestly know that? It has nothing to do with Cornerstone Community Church at all. Nothing. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a spot for Cornerstone Community Church. And and everyone, pay attention to Cornerstone. Look at Cornerstone. See what they did. They came up with this cool strategy where they blended in to their workplace. That's amazing. They hardly talked at all, but look at Cornerstone because they were afraid to turn people away from their church. It's not about our church about god it's about the fact that there's a god in the universe and he loved us so much that he demonstrated his love by giving his son so that we could be forgiven from our sins man i need that desperately i'm a sinner i continue to mess up i continue to do wrong things i continue to fail and god said i love you here's the payment for those sins is my son jesus christ I mean, he didn't say, I want you to believe in him and I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow him. And I want you to do all these things for Cornerstone Community Church. No. He said, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. It's not about our church. It's not about turning people away from our church. It's about turning people on to the fact that God is worthy of being treasured. And there's absolutely no way that we can let people know there's no way we can convince people that God is the most glorious, most treasured being in all of the earth. If we're quiet about him, there's no way if we cannot pray with the church that, that's here with Peter and John and say, God, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what they say to me. Give me boldness so that I can continue to speak your word if we can't say that if we're not saying that we are there's no way we can prove to someone that that's our greatest treasure i just i don't think there's any way i could convince someone that i've never talked to about jesus and i've known for years oh i totally forgot to tell you 10 years ago um the greatest thing in my life is jesus i totally forgot and it's just, it's slipped my mind for 10 years. Um, but I, I meant to tell you, Jesus Christ is, man, he's like, you got to treasure him. He's so wonderful. He's, he'll change your life. He'll consume you. He'll, he'll just change everything about you. And, and let me tell you what he did and why you'll treasure him. Because he's, he saves from sins. Can you imagine someone looking at you and saying, he saves from sins? He forgives you and, and he takes you to heaven forever? Oh, I'm going to be quiet about him, too. That's wonderful. Let's be quiet together. Let's not talk about him together. Let's just let's be quiet and not tell anyone about the wonderful things that Jesus does. Man, guys, we need a spirit. And we need to know who he is. We really need to believe in who he is. Because when we see Christ as who he is. We're going to pray the same prayer. We're going to say these same things. God, please please grant your servants. We're just your servants. It's all about you, God. We're just your servants. You're sovereign, you reign, you rule. You're 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 powerful over this whole circumstance, over all of the things that are going on. God, please grant that you would not let us be timid. That you would not let us be afraid. That you would not let us be nervous. That you not let us be scared of men? There's a great verse in, in Psalm 50 and uh, Isaiah 51 verses 12 and 13. It's just been so comforting to me lately. And, and it says this, um, I, I am he who comforts God talking. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? And have forgotten the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. I'm messing up that last part. He says that in there somewhere. But who are you? And who am I that I'm afraid of man who dies and I've forgotten the Lord? And I've not trusted the Lord who says, I'm the one who comforts you. Why are you looking for people to comfort you and and, and embrace you and not be mad at you because you love me? I'm the one who comforts you. Then you're afraid of man who dies. Man, if we would just pray and believe like these early believers. If we would trust like these early believers and just say, God, we exist for your glory. And so our prayer is that you would keep us from being timid, that you keep us from being afraid, that you keep us from being ashamed, that you keep us from failing you. And give us boldness to speak your word. Verse 30, uh, verse 30. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Not that we do great things. Not that attention is brought to us. God, just help us be bold while you do things to prove that you are worthy of all praise. While you do things to draw people's attention to yourself, it's not for us. It's not about us, God. It's all about you. And so as you give us boldness, we're talking about you and we're pointing to you. And we pray that you would do the powerful things, that you would do the miracles, that you would do the things that we can't do, that you would do the things that we're unable to accomplish. You do the God things. You change people's hearts. You save people. We just want to speak with all boldness. And if no one comes to Christ because of our speaking, as long as you give us the boldness and the faith to stand up for you, we're okay. We just want you to do what you can do. And you're the one that saves people, not us. You're the one that does the miracles, not us. Just let us speak with boldness. In verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's a pretty good confirmation that you prayed a good prayer. I was thinking about that. I've never had that happen. I don't know if I ever will. Um, It would scare me to death uh, and definitely make me uh, increase my faith. I mean, that's a pretty good confirmation there. They finished praying. The place is literally shaken. The Holy Spirit comes on them and they're filled with all boldness. He said, yes. In other words, God said, yes. Why? Because it was all about them. About God. Oh, it was. Wow. So Awesome. It was all about God. As they prayed, it was all about God. It wasn't about God. Please save us. Please protect us. Please help us. Please give to us. Please do this. Please. No, God, you're God. And we're not. Please, please just help us live for you. We know this is what living for you means. We know that this is what living for you looks like. And we know it's not about us. So God, just just help us to live for you. Man, I want that. And I've prayed that that would be our prayer and our response today. That we would stand with the early believers who Hebrew says are, are, are looking on now, watching us run the race that they've already run and seeing how we're running it. And that we would stand with those early believers and say, God, number one, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't spoken about you. I, I'm sorry that I haven't talked about you. I'm sorry that I haven't been bold about you i'm sorry that i haven't believed that you are sovereign over these circumstances and please 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 look at my circumstances and grant that i would not fail you in them that i would speak for you that i would live for you that i would not be afraid that i would not be ashamed that i would live for the glory of god let me pray father thank you so much for your goodness Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for pouring out your love on us. Thank you so much, God, for giving Jesus, for planning, for planning his death so that we can be forgiven of our sins. So that if we just trust, if we just believe that he was enough, that he was sufficient, that there's nothing else that has to take place. And we follow you, God. We'll be forgiven. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to pray and to believe like these early believers. Help us to trust in you. Help us to know with all of our heart. You are God. You're sovereign. You're the creator of the heaven, the earth, the sea, everything in them, God. You created them. You are powerful and you reign over our circumstances. Whether those circumstances are difficult or not. You reign over them. You are involved in every part of our life. God help us. To believe in you. Help us to live for you. Help us to trust in you. No matter what comes. Help us to trust in you God. And God please. Look at your people. God please. Look at our circumstances and grant that your servants will continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand and do mighty works and signs and wonders while you save people, while you do things that bring glory and honor and attention to yourself. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen.